Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to remind you that we're in, this is our story. How many of you were here last week when you, we talked about the power of pride? Two, two people were here last week. That's good. <laughs> How many of you were here last week? You were here. Okay, okay, a few more. We talked about Saul. He was the first king of Israel, but he was not God's choice. He was the people's choice, which meant he wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be the first king of Israel, but the people wanted a king. And God sometimes will give you what you want to show you it's not what you really want. Can I get an amen? Anybody got the t-shirt that you finally got what you wanted? Thank you, Lord. You even said thank you, Lord, only to find out it wasn't what you really wanted. So that's, that's where Israel is. Saul is going to be a man full of pride. He started off as insecure pride. It ends up as I called it the pride of the big worm last week, where he thought he was all that. And then he started listening to people instead of listening to God. That's not a good place for a leader. You, you wouldn't want that for me. You wouldn't want me to do that, to listen to the people instead of listening to God. And so that's where Saul was. In fact, he's going to disobey God. And God is going to warn him along the way, but then he's eventually going to disobey the Lord, but cover it up with religious language. I call that a rebellious heart. And God is going to pronounce judgment on him. He said, today the kingdom shall be ripped from you. And God is going to anoint. He is going to, when we're about to jump into this, he is going to pick the next king. He is going to identify him which was the first king, was supposed to be the first king, but is now the second king. And his name is David. And I want to pick up that story in 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning at verse number one. The Lord said to Samuel, the prophet, how long will you mourn for Saul? How long? It's okay, there are seasons that you do need to mourn for things that go bad, but then there's also time, there's times to mourn and then there's times to move on. Now I wanna say it again because some, somebody here needs just to hear this. If you don't get anything else, get this. There are times to mourn and then there's times to move on. And God is going to call Samuel out on this, the prophet of the Lord. How long are you gonna mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. There's a time to mourn, there's a time to move on. You know what your mama used to say, right? That's enough. Dry it up. So maybe somebody, the Lord is saying to you, that's enough, dry it up. Heidi always says, wash your face. It's time to move on. But Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it, what? He'll kill me. This would be considered treason. You have a king and then to go anoint somebody else to be king would be considered treason. So it's a great question. If Saul finds out about this, he's going to kill me. 
The Lord says, take a heifer with you. That's a cow, a young female cow that's never had a baby. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. So this is a covert operation. This is not overt, it's covert. Nobody knows what mission he's on except God and Samuel, not even Jesse. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. Watch this. They asked, do you come in peace? I don't know about y'all. How many of y'all have ever been to one of our services where Pastor Jim is here? Pastor Jim is a prophet of the Lord. He, he just is. I can't, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. But you, you go, and some of you have been prophesied over. And he'll give you a word from the Lord. And most of the times, when, and sometimes back in the old days, we don't do it much this way anymore. He used to stand up here and say, Pastor Eugene, just pick somebody. And I would get scared. Pick somebody. What if I picked the wrong person? And he said, it don't matter who you pick. Whoever you pick, the Lord will give me a word. And I've picked some of you before. And, and if you were honest, you'd say, shoot. You're scared to death. You're thinking, this is what I was thinking the first time he prophesied over me. What have I done? There's a fear. And he says, do you come in peace? Some of you men do that when I call you. I call you and you go, Pastor, is everything okay? <laughs> in other words, why are you calling me? Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. He saw him and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, you might remember Saul. One of the things that was said about Saul, his appearance, good-looking, dark, and tall. He was a head taller than everybody else. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why the people, yeah, that's him. That's our king. And here comes Eliab, tall, dark, and handsome. Again, even Samuel mistakes him. This must be the Lord. And he said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't look at the outward appearance. Now look at, everybody look right here. It doesn't mean what, both of these are inspired. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. Man does only see the outside. Let's be honest. Have any of you in this room ever prejudged someone by what they look like on the outside? Raise your hand if you've been, if you have ever prejudged, which means, you know what prejudge is, right? Prejudice. If we've ever prejudged anybody, 
And so he's prejudging here, and he said, be careful. But, it, so, but man does look on the outside. I, I, I've, I've said things, I've said things to our worship team. Hey, make sure you dress, not overdress, and not underdress. Because people are going to look on the outside. Does God look at the heart? Answer, yes. But people look on the outside. Hey, if you're going to a job interview, you may not want to go with your hat on backwards. I'm preaching. I'm trying now. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. You might want to shave, brush your teeth, comb your hair. You may want to look tight and right if you want to get the job. Why? God looks at the heart, but what does man look at? Man does look at the outside. And so... As believers, as Christians who are here to represent Jesus to the world, we should always think like that. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? And, and by, by, by the way, if, if you over, you gotta just, if you underdress, you will draw attention to yourself. And if you overdress, you'll draw attention to yourself. So, so I want to make both are inspired. Man does look on the outside. Verse eight, then Jesse called Abinadab, this is son number two, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now, everybody stop for a second. Everybody, let's look, look right here. I don't believe, and I think I can back it up, that none of these sons know why they're, they're going to be anointed. No one is in there thinking, oh, he's here to anoint the next king. They think he's just there to give out a blessing on one of the sons because of what happens later. No one knows why he's there other than to consecrate, sacrifice a heifer, and then pronounce a blessing on one of the sons. Seven sons pass by. And he said, ain't none of them. And then he asked the question, he asked, do you have, are these all the sons you have? And then Jesse answers, there is still the youngest, but he is, he tending the sheep. He's not even here. He doesn't even get invited to the party. Jesse doesn't even think, oh, the prophet's going to pronounce a blessing on one of my sons. Which son is it not? Well, it can't be my youngest. So David you got to watch the sheep, bro, because <laughs> it ain't you. David doesn't even get invited to the party. Have you ever not got invited to the party? Je Jesse doesn't even use his name. He just says the youngest. Everybody look right here. I don't, I can't, I asked Dr. Scott this morning again. I said, pa Pastor Scott, can I say this and be 
within the frame of the Bible. I don't want to get outside of that. And he said, well, I think you need to give it, you need to say it this way. So I'll say it this way. It is possible that maybe the reason why, maybe, the maybe the reason why that David is out watching sheep when the prophet comes to Jesse's house is that David, it's possible, we'll know when we get to heaven, it's possible that David was actually conceived in an illegitimate relationship. David write in Psalms 51, I was conceived in sin. How many of you know if the prophet's coming over your house and you got something to hide? <laughs> David. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me just say this to you. You might have taken it as rejection when the cool kids didn't invite you to the party, but it really wasn't rejection. It was protection. It was protection. It was not rejection. When you didn't get invited, it may not have been rejection. It might have been protection. God protecting your heart. And so here David is out. He's out watching sheep. And Samuel says, well, I'll sit right down here till y'all go get him. And they go get him. Remember how we got here. Saul has been disobedient. I'm going to take you back to chapter 13, verse 14. When, 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 when Samuel warns him the first time, and in verse 14, he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. God was even going, if Saul would have just done right, he would have left one of his children on the throne for the rest of history, but he wasn't. And he says, because of that, your kingdom will not continue. And watch what he says in 1 Samuel 13, 14. This has got to be up there for you. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Uh, And that's what was said of this David, a man after God's own heart. Now, what does that mean? How do you get a man? How does a man become a man after God's own heart? This is important. What does that mean? It means, I asked Dr. Scott if I could say this too. I just said, Pastor Scott, I gotta break it down where I can understand it. And I asked the Lord this, Lord, what does it mean to have a heart after your heart? And this is what I felt like I heard from the Holy Spirit. It just means you want what I want. Now, let's think about that for a second. It means I want what God wants. Now, let me ask you the question. Do you want what God wants? Do you really want what God wants. Do you really want what God wants? 
I'm afraid most of us, I want what I want, and I want God to want what I want. You want God to have a heart after your own heart instead of you having a heart after God's own heart. And there is going to be a test because God is going to test all of our hearts. There will be a test for every single one of our hearts. It's when God wants and what you want is not what God wants and you choose to do what God wants instead of what you you want. Did you pick up that? Let me me try it one more time because I don't think you got it. It's when what God wants and what you want is not what God wants and you choose to do what God wants instead of what you want. Why would you not want what God wants? You have to answer that question. Why would you not want what God wants? And if we had to break it all down, it all goes down to a matter that we don't really trust him. We say things, God is good. Oh, but do you really believe that? Well, it's tested when what you want and what God wants are two separate things and you said, forget what I want because if that's what God wants then that's the best thing and I choose what God wants instead of what I want. God, you're good all the time. Are are y'all checking with me? So he finds a man, watch this, verse 12. I'm picking back up to 16. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing, this is David, he was glowing with health. He had a fine appearance handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and Samuel then went on to Ramah. I want to show you something. This is free, by the way. I want want to take you back real quick to 1 Samuel 10 and 1, and I want to show you when Saul gets anointed by Samuel. Watch what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him. Has not the Lord's anointed prince over his people Israel? A flask. Now when he anoints David, he takes a horn of oil flask horn what's the difference between a flask and a horn the flask is man made the horn is God made which anointing do you want do you want the anointing of the people or do you want the anointing of God I love it. So now the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Uh, What what does that mean? The spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It meant that God all of a sudden now gave him a grace that he did not have before. A grace, a power that he did not have before to accomplish things that he never thought he would ever do before. And, And by the way, did you know that when the Bible says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh, men, women, 
old, young, maid servants, men servants, leaders, servants. It says, I'm going to pour it out on all flesh and all will prophesy in my name. I don't know if we're in the last days, baby, but this is the last days we, this is our last days. No, you didn't get that, did you? You ain't get, is this the last days, Pastor You, This is your last days. Watch what happens. At the same time that he's getting the oil poured on him and the spirit of the Lord is coming upon David, verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord has tormented him. Okay, everybody look right here because I don't want you to think, leave here and go, Man, the, the, the Lord sent an evil spirit. Uh, there's the active and there's the passiveness of God. There's the active. That's where God says, I'm pouring out my spirit on David. And then there's the passiveness of God, which means I'm going to pull back and let whatever happens to Saul happen to Saul. I'm not going to keep anything. And now the enemy rushes in and begins to torment him. Anybody walk through any torment during this last season? fear, anxiety, uh, just depression. It, it's almost as if, 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 if God said, look, I'm going to let people receive what they receive. They, they've cast off all restraint. I'm going, to, I'm going to pull back and allow. I just saw that floating balloon. It's coming. Thank you, my brother. Give my brother a hand. Thank you. The devil tried to distract me. Watch this. Verse 15, Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on him. And then, and then he will feel better. In, in other words, hey, hey, Saul, you know what? You got this evil spirit on you. You know what we need? We need a worship leader. We, we need someone that can just come in. Did, did you know the scripture says when we worship that we invite the presence of the Lord? That he inhabits the praises of his people? I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you might have walked in on a Sunday before down and depressed and then all of a sudden the worship team got up and began to lead us in worship and something broke off of you the very time that you were worshiping. All of a sudden things kind of got all rearranged in your mind when you began to worship the Lord. Uh, in fact, I would say to you, if, you're, if you are battling fear and anxiety and depression, the first thing that the enemy would like to do is keep your mouth shut so you can't really worship the Lord, that you ought to just worship the Lord. It, despite, uh, n- nothing, nothing communicates, by the way, music is not some man's invention, music is from God. And it can either be used for evil or it can be used for good. Uh, and, and so watch, watch, watch verse 17. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Not someone who can play, 
By the way, the lyre or the harp, this was back in the day, you know, you think of harp like this, but a lyre was actually kind of the prelude to the guitar. It was actually an instrument that, that like you see the guys play up here. David was shredding before shredding was cool. David, in fact, where did David learn to shred? Watching sheep. He, he would take his lyre with him, his, his prelude to the guitar, and would go out in the fields at night, and he would play. Wow. Free bird. <laughs> and, and, and learn to play well. Uh, you, ever, you ever heard that theory, 10,000 hours? It takes 10,000 hours even to master anything. It takes 10,000 hours. If you're a golfer, 10,000 hours. I want you to think about it. If you, if you practice golf for an hour a day, it would take you 27 years to do 10,000 hours. 27 years to become a good golfer to master anything, 10,000 hours. If you played, I asked Victor the other day, I said, Victor, on keyboards, how long have you been playing? Well, he's been playing for forever. And I said, how many hours, oh, at least, you know, several hours a day. If, if you play two hours a day, you have to cut it in half. It'd take you 18 years, or 27, let's see, 27, 13, 13 and a half. 13 and a half to get good. So you need someone who can actually play. And so I'm sure David was out there shredding. In fact, the beauty is that David actually began to write things down. We call it the book of Psalms. He wrote down his words that he was out there singing and playing to God. There's nothing but sheep. Sheep don't respond back to you. He was just singing to God. He had one audience. Just one, and he would write down and pen his words. In fact, he's the number one recording artist in the world. He's probably inspired more songs have been written off of his songs than anybody in history. He's bigger than the Rolling Stones, Elvis, Michael Jackson. David was the very first recording artist ever, shredding on a guitar, playing with sheep, singing his sound to God. He would say things, practicing his instrument, learning to play well. By the way, worship team, you ought to be practicing. No, no, they ought to be. How many, thank God, we don't let someone get up to sing who can't sing well. Have you ever been in a church like that? Where somebody got up to sing and you're going, Jesus, 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 because you're going, please get them off. And you're not thinking about them. You're thinking, who left them up there? Who told them they could sing? Their mama. Mamas don't hear good, y'all. So, he's, no, find me someone who can play well. He's out watching sheep, practicing his craft, getting better, crying out to God. I'm just saying this over our worship team. They're all sitting right here. And I just want to say this, and y'all back me up on this, okay? Y'all back me up on this. It's one thing to, it's one thing to play someone else's song and do it well, but there's something else about songs that come out of your own heart. 
I'm speaking this over them. I'm prophesying it over them. Write songs, the cry of your heart. Let it be the cry. Don't look for cool riffs and cool lyrics. Cry out to God with sheep and stars. And if you'll do that, he'll promote you to, and, and give you platforms that you never even thought possible. Are you, are you, now I'm gonna talk to you in just a second. Songs like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. Listen, listen to those lyrics. To green pastures. And, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who's listening? God is listening. God's listening. I'm sure he's just playing goodness and mercy, follow me. I better write that down. That was good. How about this one? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the man that you even care for him? Find someone who plays well. Watch what happens, 18. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. Let me give you some versions say this. It doesn't say warrior. It says, he's full of courage. He ain't scared. Men, he's not scared. He is a brave young man. So most believe he's about 14, 15. He's a young man. Come on, just be still. Did y'all hear just still? He was singing up here on Sunday. I know he looks like he's 30, but he's 15. Stand up, man of God. Tall, dark, and handsome. You can sit back down. We're taking the glory. I have seen the son of Jesse. He knows how to play. He is a brave man. He speaks well and is fine looking. And the Lord is with him. I have met some really talented artists through the years of ministry, worship ministry, worship players, singers, 
I, I can just tell you where the devil tries to fight every church I've ever been on. It's this ministry. Because this ministry is not really a singing ministry. It is a spiritual warfare ministry. In fact, you're going to read, I'll read it in a moment, but I'm going to jump ahead right now because this is my first run at this. I'll preach it the next time. Come next service, it'll be really good. (laughs) You know what's going to happen when David plays Foresaw? He's tormented, fear, anxiousness. He's paranoid. And then David is going to play. And you know what's going to happen to that spirit when he plays? Mm. The Lord is my shepherd. The scripture says that the spirit would leave him. The power of spiritual warfare, the praises of God. That means when God shows up, the enemy can't stay. He's already defeated. So, so are y'all tracking with me? So here's what I want you to hear. God doesn't anoint songs. If we would just sing the right song, songs that I like, No, no, no. See, he doesn't anoint songs. He anoints people. He anoints a man of God. He anoints a woman of God. The spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and it is the anointing of the Lord that breaks the yoke. It's not the song. It's the anointing. It's the anointing of the Lord. Watch this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Victor, help me. Victor, help me, and then I'll I'll call for the team in just a second. Watch this. I've met really talented. I've met some talented people, but no anointing. Talent doesn't break the yoke of bondage. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. God doesn't anoint songs. He anoints men and he anoints women. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. Y'all remember where this story started? Where was David? He's out there with the sheep. They come and got him. Hey, David, you're needed at the house. What's up, everybody? What's going on? Oh, y'all having a party? I didn't get invited to the party. Shut up. Sit down, Samuel. Wow, thanks. What is man that you are mindful of him? Right back out. (laughs) Now they coming after him again. Are you David? Uh Uh-huh. The king needs you. The king needs me. Yeah, the king needs you. Watch this. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. And Saul sent word to Jesse, allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and he'd play. 
then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Hey, look at me right here. I can pray for you, but I can't worship for you. I can pray for you, but I can't worship for you. I want you to just follow the progression. A man after God's own heart. I want just whatever God wants. I found a man. He's out watching sheep, writing songs. (laughs) Oh, look at me. You don't have to be extraordinary, ultra-talented. We don't need status. We don't need influence or a platform. We all have the same choice to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. I want what God wants. The heart transplant changed while he was alone, while he was by himself with God. By the way, who you really are is not when you're in this room. Who you really are is who you are when you're by yourself with him. Are you a man or a woman after God's own heart? Have you you prayed that way? You know what I want? You know what? Let's pray about that. God, is that what you want? Heidi and I met a man one time. I won't tell the whole story, but... I'll just give you, he, he, he blessed us. He, he, he was used by God as a vessel to bless Heidi and I financially when we had nothing. And God used him, supernatural. And I can remember him telling a story, just saying, I, I, I've always just done whatever God told me to do, whatever God wanted. He was a man after God's own heart. And God blessed him supernaturally. And, 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 and he says, there is one thing that I do have that I don't really tell people about because I wanted it. And then I asked God, God, I want this, but God, do you want me to have this? And God said, I do want you to have it. And I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a Cadillac. I got a Cadillac. And he said, but it's a gold Cadillac, gold flake dust on it. And it's got jewels across the, he, he, he put precious jewels across the, the dashboard and around his hubcaps. And he said, I asked the Lord if I could do that. And he said, it's the only thing I've ever done for myself. I want what God wants. Do you see the progression? I want what God wants. Then comes the anointing. No, we want the anointing. So no, Lord, I want the anointing. No, 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 no. See, the anointing doesn't come. This comes first. I want what God wants. Then God says, pour the anointing on him. And now I'm going to endue him with power because he wants what I want. Oh, look at me. Can I tell you something about God? You want what God wants. No, no, you really do want what God wants. Don't say, I don't know if I want what God wants. No, no, you really do. I'm telling you, you do. He'll blow your mind. He'll blow your socks off. He already knows. In fact, the scripture already tells us he already knows the desires of your heart. 
He already knows all of those things. He's going to keep you from things that you don't really want, and he's going to give you things that you really want that he really wants you to have. But it's, it's in him. It's having a heart after God. And then let me give you the third. And then, then, then you see the promotion of God. Let me ask you this question. The anointing. Private worship, public anointing. It's in private. Then God gives a man and woman and lets everybody see it public. It's private. We want the anointing. We just don't want to watch somebody else's sheep. I'm asking God to bless me. No, no, ask, what, what is God, what are you blessing? We, we, we just don't want to watch somebody else. That's, it's, it's, it's the beauty of David. David is watching his daddy's sheep. And the scripture says, spoiler alert, a bear will come and take one and he'll go slay that bear. A lion will come to attack the flock and he'll kill a lion. He's treating those sheep like they belong to him when they don't belong to him. You're going, God, I want to start my own business, but you're not taking care of the business that you're in like it was yours. You're tending to it like you're a hired hand instead of a son, an heir of the company. That's the test of whether you, you receive the anointing of the Lord. We want our own business, but we've been, we haven't been faithful with someone else's business. Is this too hard? And then comes the promotion. I heard from the Holy Spirit several months ago. Go deeper in worship. Do not underestimate worship. Our hospitals, I know Danny, Pam's not here this morning, but she would say yes and amen. Our mental hospitals are filled with people that are there. Some of them do have real, genuine, bona fide things and issues that need to be adjusted. But many of them there just need Jesus. They need, it's the worship. It's worship. Worship is what drives that fear, evil, anxiety. What is man that you are mindful of him? Listen, the scripture says that you and I were set here, born again and saved to declare the praises of our God. It's part of our role and our mission. Your job description is to declare forth his great works and all that he's done. And if you can't declare them back to him, you'll never declare them to people. Have you ever, ever, you ever, you ever noticed in the Old Testament, God, when he comes to rebuke somebody, he would say, I was the one who led you out of Egypt. I was the one who parted the Red Sea. I was the one who brought manna in the morning and quail by evening. I was the one who led you with fire by night and a cloud by day. You know why he was reminding Israel of what he had done for them? Because they should have been reminding God of all the great things he had done for them. They had forgotten it. 
It wasn't coming out of their mouth saying, thank you, God, for delivering us from Egypt. Thank you, God, for delivering me from sin. I was a whoremonger. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for splitting Red Seas. Thank you, Father, for providing everything you provided. Do you have a job? You ought to go, thank you, God. I got a job. You got food today? You go. Most of us got so much food, you're going to make choice. You're going to have to choose when you get home. I'm talking to the richest people in the world sitting in this very room. Top 5% of world earners are sitting in this very room. Quit, go, quit looking at everybody else. It's you. It's you. You are rich. He has delivered you. Set he deserves the highest praise. Scripture tells us. Come on, worship team. Scripture tells us, lift your hands in the sanctuary. He doesn't say if you feel like it. I don't always feel like it either. I don't. I just go, no, no, I'm going to go get my praise. I'm going to get my worship on because he deserves it. Whether I feel like giving it to him or not, he deserves it. It says to lift your hands in the sanctuary. Lift your voice. <coughs> Let the fruit of your lips give him praise. We ought to just start right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. What are we that you're mindful of us? What are we? The stars that you put in every single place. What are we that you are even mindful of us? We bless your name and praise you. You're the only one who deserves the glory and the honor. Let's press in today. Let's give him the highest praise, what he deserves. Highest praise. That just means praise above what you give anybody else. Have you ever given somebody praise? Thank you. I appreciate you. are a great wife. You're a great husband. Thank you for what you do. No, no. He said, no, he deserves higher praise than you would ever give anybody else. In fact, he's the one who gave you that wife. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We worship you.